Today's reading comes from 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You may be seated. As you're seated, let me pray for us. Father, we thank you on this first Sunday of 2020 for the good news of the gospel of Jesus, that we who have placed our faith in Jesus are called new creations in Christ, that we are already experiencing that resurrection life at work in us that has united us to you, Father, in relationship that will continue from now through all eternity. We ask you today as we look at this text, as we consider what you might have for us in this year, we ask you, God, that you would open our ears to hear, that you'd open our eyes to behold you once again, to catch a fresh vision of who you are, and that you'd open our hearts to believe this good news that is changing and transforming our lives. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I personally love it when the calendar flips into a new year. Um, I, I like it when we change from one month to the other, if I'm real, real honest with you. I, I like it because I like newness. I like the idea that there's something in front of me that can be different. I like the opportunity. I, I like routine in my life, and I like structure, and I like systems, which means holidays are difficult for me. So all of my routine and structure and systems just completely get shattered, and I have to try and pick up the pieces when I'm coming back. And so I love it when the calendar turns a new year because it gives me this ability to, to, to think in a transition point what might be ahead. I think in lots of ways, the new year being a point of transition that's natural, it's why we're taking a break from our Sermon on the Mount series to jump into this this morning— it's an opportunity to grow. It's an opportunity to take inventory, to evaluate what's working in our lives, what's not working in our lives. It's an opportunity to double down on those things that have been good and working and productive and fruitful in our lives. It's also an opportunity to try something different and catalyze a bit of growth in us individually. Now, I know that you want to lose five pounds this year. That's wonderful. That's not what I'm talking about. Me too. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the way that we think and pray through what personal spiritual renewal might look like for us in 2020. What might that look like for us? What if there is more for us in Christ than we currently understand? Like, are we willing to ask that question? What if this was the year that brought you into a deeper, abiding relationship with God in prayer and fasting that maybe you've never experienced before? What if this was the year where you began to engage the scriptures in a more intentional, serious way, and that that started to take shape in your life in a, in a massive, it, it can grow into a massive part of who you are as a follower of Jesus? Not just to read, but to study and to memorize. What, what if this was the year? 
There's an opportunity in this. What if this was the year where, where you make this decision, you can make this decision, where you really get involved in the life and community of your church? Not on Sundays. It's wonderful. Love that you're here. It's fantastic. It's a great hour and a bit, hour and a quarter that we're together for a gathering on a Sunday morning. I know that some of you are going to attend this one and serve in the next one. That's fantastic. That's two and a half hours plus 15 minutes in between. You got two hours and 45 minutes. Praise God. But what if you actually engaged in the life and community of Christ City and allowed yourself to be known? Intentionally got to know others. What if this was the year that you decided to go public with what you have built your life upon and what makes you tick? And, and, and maybe this is the year where you can overcome the fear to have that first conversation about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And my, my dream would be that we revision our understanding of what it means to be Christians in the city of Vancouver in such a way that we don't look at people who don't follow Jesus and think they want nothing to do with him, but we would look at people giving them the benefit of the doubt that they are the kind of people who desperately want the answers that you already have and that they're so deeply desirous of engaging with the God of the universe. They might not know it yet, but that we would have that openness this could be the year like what if this was the year that you look back on when the calendar flips again on a new decade in 2030 should the lord give us breath for these next 10 years what what if this is the year that you look back on and said everything changed when i made some decisions in january 2020 allison and i sat down and looked at what happened from 2010 to 2020 our kids were little and then we thought, when the calendar turns to 2030, we're going to have a 24, 22, and 20-year-old, which gave me pause as a father of three daughters. I need to start saving. <laughs> but I've got 10 years. I've got less than that, but they're going to be children at home. What does the Lord have for us in this next decade? If you're open to asking these questions afresh and anew, and maybe just to, to take some time to dream for a moment. Are you, are you willing to ask what it would look like to intentionally pursue personal spiritual transformation and renewal in 2020? Are you willing? If you are, I see that we have three options, okay? I think we can hear the call to move deeper into relationship with God and further into what he's calling us to do and what he wants to do in and through us. Um, we can hear that call, but then we can resist it. We can resist that call toward renewal, and we can just keep the status quo. Here's the thing. God loves you. Jesus is Lord. The Holy Spirit's with you. It's fine. But your joy might flatline. And I, for me, I don't want that. I don't want my joy to flatline. I don't want to either dip into decline a little bit or just to stay the same. I think the second option that we have in this is that we can hear the call to move deeper into relationship with God and, and further into what he wants to do in and through us. And then what we can do is try and do that in our own strength try to do it in our own strength and then what happens is, is you, you stop short of the breakthrough that you're looking for in personal spiritual renewal because it's all on you and when it doesn't come immediately you kind of just stop short and go this is too hard I don't want to do this and then you can either stagnate or dip into decline I think there's a third option for us you hear the call to move deeper into relationship with God and further into what he wants to do in and through you in this year and then you realize that kind of renewal takes some spirit-dependent effort, some grace-driven effort, some stepping outside of your comfort, 
the normal patterns of life, maybe changing some things. And then when you lean into him in that way, what you're doing is allowing the Holy Spirit to guide and comfort you, and you might even have to risk some things in your obedience to God, and then you can realize that he's carrying you every step of the way, and you can find the kind of renewal that you're looking for. Uh, Mark Sayers wrote a book on renewal in the church. It's quite helpful. He said, we will not experience renewal by following the same patterns of life and ministry that are not delivering renewal. And you say, thank you very much. That applies to every area of my life. If I want to see change and I continue to do the exact same thing, I'm not going to experience change. Very simple. But the patterns of our life actually need to be interrupted in some ways so that we can create new pathways. It's an interruption of the patterns of our spiritual life that actually creates space and opportunity for God to breathe new life into us. And so we can resist him, we can try and do this in our own strength, or we can align ourselves with God and we can see what he wants to do. There's no silver bullet to... uh, personal spiritual renewal. Sorry, I wish you're sitting here going, tell me the one thing, Brett, I'm in. There's no one thing. If there was one thing, the the statistics and the research done on this would say that the Bible would be that one thing. Daily Bible reading is the one thing that would be above every other thing. But there's no silver bullet in this. The rest of our time this morning, what I want to do is look at three foundational pillars of the Christian life, three massive truths that should form the essence of our life with God. And what I want to do is introduce each of these three things, and then I want to, under each one of them, highlight one particular example of a pathway to personal renewal that I see. So three big truths, and within each of those big truths, a pathway to personal renewal. So we're going to look at, first, the great exchange. We're going to look, second, at the great commandments, the great commandments of Jesus, And then third, at the Great Commission. The Great Exchange, the Great Commandments, and the Great Commission. The Great Exchange is this idea that really becomes the foundation for our lives in Christ. The Great Commandments is what tells us how we are called to live, how to live. And then the Great Commission, I want to say, is what we're called to do. So it's the foundation of our life, how we're called to live that out, and then the foundation of what we are participating in. So personal spiritual renewal, hear me. It comes from seeing what God has already done and who we are in Christ, and then how we are invited to participate in what he is doing in the world. Personal spiritual renewal comes from finding out what God has already done and who he says we are in Christ, and then how we participate in what he's doing in the world. Very simple. First, the great exchange. The great exchange is about reconciliation between God and humanity, And it's about how that reconciliation came about. We already sung about this this morning. Our reconciled relationship to the Father in Christ. Look at the text, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who, through Christ, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin 
who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The great exchange. Colin Cruz, who's a commentator on 2 Corinthians, he said, wherever the language of reconciliation is found in the New Testament, God is always the subject of the reconciling activity. Here's what he means. Our reconciled relationship with God is God's doing, and it's God's initiative. Our relationship with him is because he has pursued us and drawn us to himself. It's his doing at his initiative. It says in verse 18, all this, all this, meaning the reality of being new creations in Christ, being in Christ, means that we're in relationship with him, that we've been brought into right relationship with him, and then all this, it says, is from God. So God brings us into relationship with himself. He reconciles us to himself through the work of Jesus. Now, if you just think about what reconciliation is, reconciliation is the reestablishment of a broken relationship. It's a reestablishment of a broken relationship. Two parties that are at odds get brought together. So reconciliation speaking to the problem of hostility in a relationship and then how that relationship in a certain sense can become friendly again. It's exchanging hostility for friendship. So by calling it reconciliation, Paul, who wrote this letter to the church in Corinth, Paul's reminding us that uh, apart from Christ, it's actually a state of hostility that exists between us and God. There's a state of hostility there. He's saying that something's wrong, that something's broken, something needs to be fixed, and it goes all the way back to the very beginning. In Genesis chapter 3, we see this, that, that mankind rebels against God, sin enters into our world, and even then, at the origin of human rebellion, you've got to notice this, God promises to fix the problem. The brokenness between himself and humanity. He promises in Genesis chapter 3, which I'm sure many of you read on your Bible reading plan this week, Genesis gets big props in January. The first announcement of the gospel is in Genesis chapter 3. Our first parents in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, they substituted themselves for God. They preferred their own way, and they rebelled against him. They disobeyed God, they chose their own way, and the consequences of that action run all the way through the hearts of every person who's ever been born. Our first parents brought us into a problem that needs to be reconciled. And at the cross, Jesus reversed that substitution when Adam and Eve substituted themselves and their authority for God's authority. At the cross, Jesus substituted himself for us. When Jesus went to the cross, he willingly took upon himself that rebellion and that sin and the sin of all those who would ever come to him, past, present, and future. He died in our place. He paid the debt that we owed and could never have paid, and he purchased our salvation. Here's how God did it. Chapter 5, verse 21. For our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's what uh, 16th century Protestant reformer Martin Luther called the great exchange. That's where we get this. The idea of substitution. Luther said, learn to know Christ and him crucified. Learn to sing to him. Say, Lord Jesus, you are my righteousness. I am your sin. You have taken upon yourself what is mine and given me what is yours. You have become what you were not so that I might become what I was not. 
So, so that's why we can say, Jesus, you were broken so that I could be made whole. Jesus, you were killed so that I could have life. Jesus, you were forsaken so that I never will be. Do you see the exchange? This is what New Testament scholar George Guthrie calls a, uh, a transformational interchange. It's a, transform a transformational interchange. He's a New Testament scholar. I can't even say it. Transformational interchange. There's something that has gone on that produces a transforma transformational. By the third gathering, I'll have that word down. The change transforms us. It's not just something that happens once. This is what, it, it doesn't just happen when you give your life to Jesus. And says, oh, 1983, uh, it was the summer of 83, I yielded my heart to Jesus and I've walked with him ever since. So the change is over. That's not true. It's happening daily. We're constantly being renewed. It's literally the basis of the ongoing renewal and transformation in our lives. The, the great exchange is the foundation for our reconciled relationship to God but in this, I think we have a pathway to personal renewal. I think there's a pathway to personal renewal in this. What I want to highlight is the perspective of God that we gain by looking at this text and understanding what the great exchange means. It's a renewed vision of the holiness of God. The otherness of God. Luther said, Jesus became what he was not so that we could become what we were not. It's the perfection of God. And there needs to be something that we grapple with on this. It's, it's, it's almost beyond us, apart from the enlivening of the Holy Spirit, God making our hearts new and revealing to us who he is and what he's like. And we read this in scripture. He's holy. He is other. A renewed vision of that will transform you from the inside out. It's a pathway to personal renewal. Isaiah had this kind of encounter. In Isaiah chapter 6, we read that it was in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I'm lost, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. See, in that moment of encountering the holiness of God, Isaiah came to realize something that profoundly renewed him and his life and his purpose and his call. He had the profound realization of who God was in light of his holiness and his power and his perfection, the otherness of God. And then he had a realization of who he was and how there needed to be a, made, a way made for him. He 
was changed. He was transformed into the man that God was calling him to be. In one moment, he recognized his unholiness, and he had a renewed vision of the holiness of God, and it changed him. I long for those moments. A.W. Tozer said, to regain her lost power, the church must see heaven opened and have a transforming vision of God. It's a pathway to renewal in our lives. That we would revision God for who he is, not who we have limited him to be. Personal spiritual renewal in light of the great exchange is not simply you groveling in the mess of your sin and disobedience. Sin consciousness will not get you anywhere with God. It's just the realization that that's who you are apart from him. It's when that sin consciousness is considered in light of the holiness and the love and the power of God who moves toward us in Christ that our eyes are then moved off of ourselves and onto Jesus, our Savior. This is the pathway to renewal. It's not sitting with the introspective, navel-gazing sadness about who you are and all your failures. It's lifting your eyes to him. The God who came to us to reconcile us in relationship with him. The focus of the great exchange is not about how bad we are. The focus of the great exchange is the holiness of God and how he moves toward us to create a way to save and reconcile us to himself in the work of Christ. It's a pathway to personal renewal. Take hold of it. Never lose it. Secondly, the great commandments of Jesus. The great exchange is the foundation of our lives in Christ, but the great commandments show us how we're called to live. They show us how we're called to live, the spirit and posture by which we live. Matthew chapter 22 says, One of them, a lawyer, asked him again, Jesus, a question to test him, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. What he's saying is, is on these two commandments, we see Genesis to Malachi fulfilled, the Old Testament. This is, this is the key. Love God, love others. the great exchange is not some kind of update to a better version of yourself. It's, it's not what you need at the new year if you want to do this in your own strength and become a nicer, kinder person. You don't need the great exchange. You need some self-discipline and maybe to bite your tongue once in a while. No, no, you don't need to be made better. You need to be made new. That's what the great exchange accomplishes in our lives. It enables us to actually live out the great commandment. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. A new creation. And Paul's talking about being in Christ. In Christ, we are new creations. In Christ is that relational reconciliation uh, as those who've been saved by grace through faith in Jesus. Okay? It's believing that he is who he says he is and that he did what he said he did. In Christ is the 
shorthand that Paul uses to talk about our union with Christ, our relationship with him, our position before him as we stand reconciled to him, adopted as his own. It's relational language. We're no longer enemies, but friends. It's the transformational interchange of the great exchange revealed to us in relational language. That's what's going on. And because of this newness, this new nature that we receive when we are in Christ, okay, we, number one, desire to worship God, and number two, desire to selflessly serve others. The great commandment. Jesus said the greatest commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. The second is like it, he said. Love your neighbor as yourself. You cannot do that with the old heart that is not renewed. You can't do it without a new heart. We do not naturally want to love and obey God with everything we've got and worship him in every area of our lives. It is not a natural state that human beings are born into. We do not naturally want to selflessly serve people around us at great personal cost. I just don't think we do. And you say, oh, you're pessimistic because you're just a, a terrible person. It's probably true. Apart from Christ, I definitely did not want to serve people. I, I, have a hard, I barely want to in Christ. <laughs> no, my heart was not inclined towards serving others. I was in it for me. When God gives you a new heart, something changes. All of a sudden you care about things you didn't care about before. You can't obey the great commandments of Jesus without a new heart. And you go, well, I don't know. I know this person. She's just the greatest and... Um, and she serves people all the time, just selflessly, just constantly giving her life away. And I would say, that's awesome. Uh, Tim Keller, he has a name for that. Uh, I like it. He's a pastor in New York. He calls them damnable good works. So just tell your friend that. <laughs> Making friends and influencing people in 2020. <laughs> but I'd rather live next to somebody who's kind and helpful and generous. I'd rather have that neighbor than, than somebody who's not. But without a new heart, wh whose glory is... Who gets the glory for all those good works? That, that's why they're damnable good works. They're good works, but they're not done unto the glory of God. They're done unto the glory of self or some other thing. See, I don't think we can observe and keep the great commandments of Jesus without a new heart. What I want to highlight is that the great commandments are the way we live out the great exchange. And in this, I think we have a pathway to personal spiritual renewal. The renewed vision of how to love others. In a lonely and isolated city, there's, there's something that we should have different in this room than everybody else around us. What if the pathway to personal renewal this year was a transformed vision of how you relate to other people? What if it was something that you discover as you walk with others in discipleship and care, just giving of yourself, just giving of yourself intentionally. You know, the New Testament's got 59 one another commands in it. You can't do this life on your own. You might say, I love people. Well, I love people. I love the world. It's people individually that are hard to love, right? I love everyone. No, you don't. Oh, I have some friends I'll put you in front of. You're hard to love. You have not hung out with me that much if it is easy to love everyone you know. 
I'll make it difficult for you. Your spouse right now, bang. Your roommate right now, bang. Your classmates who wanted you to help them with an assignment, and you were like, no, I want to get a better grade than them. You fill in the blanks. What if this is the year that you do the hard work of allowing others to know you and you do the hard work of engaging somebody else, particularly in an intentional discipleship relationship? The most obvious place for this to take place within the body of Christ City is community groups, but it's not exclusively in community groups, even though you should be in a community group. There's my plug for the year. I told you I wasn't going to hammer you on, are you reading your Bible? And I'm not going to hammer you on, are you in community? But I'd like to, just know that. Here are two pastoral observations I've made. I've been doing this for a while now. Two observations. One, the first thing that people need in their lives is to have a friend who will sit down with them and encourage them in scripture and prayer. Period. A lot of the pastoral care that we do is with people who have not yet built relationships within the body of Christ. And what people need is to sit down and have a friend who will open the scriptures with them and pray with them, care for them. The second thing that I would say by way of observation that I've made over the years is that most people need to be that person who will sit down with a friend in community and encourage them in word and prayer. And you go, I'm not ready. Yes, you are. Like, ask the other person how much of the scriptures they've understood. And if they say, well, I've read probably half the Bible, and you've read one book more than half the Bible, then you should disciple them. You're ready. If you travel around the world at all, and you talk, I mean, when we go to Vietnam and we train pastors, you have a better biblical education than most of the pastors there, because they don't have the ability to get that education for whatever reason. Around the world, we're partnered with an organization called WorldServe. They train pastors around the world who have no access to a biblical studies education. You, you, most of you, and certainly any of you who have an internet connection, most of you have better access to biblical training than a lot of pastors around the world. You are ready to sit down and lovingly open the scriptures and pray with someone. You're ready. You're ready. The, the biggest need in the body of Christ and the loneliness that we're confronted with in our city is for someone to have a spiritual friend. And the, the other biggest observational need that I see is that you need to be that friend. Your personal spiritual renewal in 2020 might come through you giving. You being used of God to pour into another in a care and discipleship relationship. First, great exchange is the foundation of our lives in Christ. It's our reconciled relationship with God. It's first. It's always first. Second, the great commandments, they show us the way that we're called to live and love others. That's what I'm highlighting for us as a personal pathway to renewal for this year. And third, the great commission. It's what we're called to do. Matthew chapter 28, the crucified and risen Jesus came to them, it says in verse 18, Jesus came to them and said to them, his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. 
Here's how Paul says it in our text that we're looking at this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. This is what he says to the church in Corinth. All this, all this new creation life, the great exchange, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. It's ours. It's been given to us. He's saying God reconciled us to himself by way of the cross, but he does not leave it at that. He says in this reconciled relationship that you have with God through Christ, you are now also entrusted with a ministry of reconciliation. Right? Not, you can't save anyone. Okay, we get that. But through the gospel, through the person and work of Jesus, you are entrusted with the message that does save. Ministry of reconciliation. That we would obey the great commission. Here's what I'm trying to say. Because of the great exchange, where we give our sin to Jesus and he gifts us his righteousness, we're new creations in Christ. Because of the great exchange, and then in the spirit of the great commandments of Jesus, where we're called to love God and our neighbor as ourselves, we are then entrusted with the reconciling message of the gospel and we're called to go into the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we seek to fulfill the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment, all on the foundation of the Great Exchange. Personal spiritual renewal comes from seeing what God has done in your life, who he says we are in Christ, and then how we are invited to participate in what he's doing in the world. Here's the invitation, verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. This is our message. We're invited to participate in the reconciling work of God with the nations. In all of our lives, we are ambassadors for king jesus we've been entrusted with a message of reconciliation that's available to the whole world you've got it in your heart if you're a follower of jesus it's in your thoughts it's something that you consider and wrestle with it's the role of every follower of jesus in the world it's the missionary call of every single one of us the great british preacher charles spurgeon he said every christian's either a missionary or an imposter yeah, it's funny till you think about it the second time. You don't go somewhere else to be a missionary. Right here. God might call you to go somewhere else. There's probably one or two percent of us that will be called to go somewhere else as a missionary. The rest of us, 98% of us, we're here. Missionaries to Vancouver. Missionary in your clinic. Missionary in your school. Missionary at your firm. Missionary in your office. Missionary in your family. Missionary in your neighborhood. Missionary at the block party. I, wherever it is. It's who we are. We can't help but be that. It's who we are. The question is, are we going to engage in it and participate in it? 
we're truly loving God and loving our neighbor, um, part of loving God and loving our neighbor means telling other people about him. I remember being probably 16, 17 in school and recognizing that this one girl at school, I recognized a lot of girls at school. That, that was the foundation for that. But I noticed her. Let me say that. I noticed her. And then I noticed that she was a Christian. And she was super shy. And she never talked to me. I noticed that my best friend growing up went to church with his parents, didn't exactly follow through on that the rest of the week, but he never talked to me about it. I recognized that there was a girl who I, I, in in my class from the time I was in kindergarten to grade 12, and when I was in grade 12, I recognized that she was in a worship band. I didn't even know she was a follower of Jesus, and I thought, well, what, what is this? The good news can't be that good if no one's talking to me about it. I had never heard the gospel until I was almost 20 when somebody said, can I tell you what Jesus has done for you? I was like, please. Do you see the posture in this? People are dying around us. Time is short. And we're like, I don't know, it'd be awkward if I bring it up. I do it too. What if personal spiritual renewal came from you taking a step of faith? love somebody with the message of the gospel. Dr. J.I. Packer said, all our own evangelism must be done in the same spirit. He's talking about love. As love to our neighbor suggests and demands that we evangelize, so the command to evangelize is a specific application of the command to love others. As love to our neighbor suggests and demands that we evangelize, so the command to evangelize is a specific application of the command to love others. Let let me highlight this. The pathway to personal spiritual renewal. The Great Commission in our ministry of reconciliation that we've received, I know that it's bigger than the Alpha course that we do, okay? I get that. But it's not smaller than that. And we're going to run that course three times this year. First one starts later this month. Who are you going to invite to come with you? Don't, we've said this before. Don't invite them and point them to a, a website where they can sign up and then show up in a room full of strangers who believe weird things about God. Who are you bringing? It's an opportunity for you. I can guarantee you by the testimonies of those who have served at Alpha, when they sit around a table with people who don't know Jesus, it renews their own spirituality. It renews their own personal relationship with God. It renews their walk with him. And I'm not trying to say that we should be selfish in this, except you should. It's a pathway to personal spiritual renewal. I can guarantee you, I'll promise this, if I'm wrong, come at, I'll take you for dinner, Okay. If you come with a friend and sit at the table of Alpha and you go through the whole course together and you leave there and go, this did nothing for me. My friend got saved, but whatever. (laughs) Okay, I'll take you for dinner. I'm telling you that participating in what God is doing in the world in the ministry of reconciliation will turn you from dead to alive. It will turn you from quiet to loud. It will turn you from cold to hot. Something about it. Nothing more invigorating than hanging out with people who don't know Jesus, who get it. It's not selfish to want to do this for your own personal spiritual renewal. I'm just telling you the byproduct of it will be that. 
The great exchange is the foundation for our lives in Christ. The great commandments are the way that we're called to live. The great commission is what we're called to participate in. And in each of these three, we find a pathway to personal spiritual renewal. Because when we consider the great exchange, we are confronted with a new vision of the holiness of God and how he pursues us and how he brings us into relationship with himself through the work of Jesus. That Jesus Christ had to die and be raised from the dead for us to enter into new life because God's holy and we're not. Great exchange. When we consider the great commandments, we are understanding how we're loved by God, but then how we are called to love God and others through care and discipleship and community. And when we consider the Great Commission, we see how God has invited us to participate in this way in the work that he's doing in the world. And I'm just telling you today that this could be the year that you make a decision, that you look back on in 10 years and go, that was where I decided. So I wasn't playing games anymore. Was not going to be satisfied with lethargy and mediocrity, was not going to be satisfied when I bumped up against the challenges and trials of life that I would quit and give up. I will persevere and push through them, empowered by the Holy Spirit. This could be the moment in time where you decide something that you look back on in 10 years and you see how you encountered the transforming power of God and how he renewed your walk with him in powerful ways and how you'll never be the same. Or you could settle for the status quo and know that God loves you, that Jesus is Lord, and that you are accompanied in life in every way by the Holy Spirit, but your joy will flatline. It's a choice. It's open for you. Would you stand as we respond today? Thanks for listening. For more information about Christ City Church in Vancouver, please visit ChristCityChurch.ca. We invite you to join us in praying that God's kingdom would come in Vancouver as it is in heaven.